Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of DM Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, Ben Bumhoffer. How are you doing this evening, Ben? Oh, I am doing absolutely fantastic, and let's see, the crime we are going to get up to today is stealing a whole bunch of ideas to put in our own games. It's the best crime to commit. I mean, honestly, that's really the only reason we're doing this show is so that we can talk about things, discuss things, come up with ideas, just load them into worlds that we create. And I've said too much now, haven't I? It's okay. Okay. Well, good then. It's okay. We can use that as a transition point to our first topic of the night. And we're, we're actually going to be... See, I, I, hate, I hate the word generic. But it is, it is very, uh, maybe popular. Popular is the better word for it. We're going to be talking about two <laughs> very popular things tonight. Uh, and we're going to start with humans, the human race. Not the human race, but the human race as it is within D&D. Yeah. I mean, another way to look at this is, you know, we're looking at ways to spice up something that some people might consider to be bland. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's really interesting when we, when we start talking about races, we, we had a little discussion and humans seemed the kind of the great baseline to, to start out with because they are by far, if you look at the statistics and I know, there's there's been informal polls taken and D Beyond actually does uh data dumps during their Thursday morning uh dev updates sometimes. And they've done uh like most popular races. And human by far is the most popular race. And I think a lot of that has to do with it's familiar because we're all human, as far as I know. So I mean, far. If you're not human and you're listening to this, that's pretty cool. And let us know. And let us know. But <laughs> as far as we know, everybody is human. And so it is, it's much easier to take a character that, is, that you can relate to. Mm-hmm. And being of the same race is a, is a big relatable point. Uh, but just because you're being a human doesn't mean that it, it's going to be boring. Exactly. I mean, it's one of those things where, um, you know, whenever I make a character in like a, a video game or especially in D&D or something like that, I try to stray away from human personally just because, you know, I'm a human in real life. But the thing is, is that especially for newer players, when you're going into this, you know, gigantic, huge fantasy world, you really have no idea what to expect. And someone comes at you and saying, hey, why don't you be a tiefling? Why don't you be an elf? What about an orc? It, 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 it's a little overwhelming at times. And having just that tiny little bit of familiarity can really go a long way. Um, so, you know, anytime that you're, you're, you're creating a, a story or anything like that, and you're, you're talking to your players and you're, you know, trying to go through character creation with them, especially newer players, make sure to never ever poo poo the human because sometimes that's going to be the best step forward for someone who's especially new to actually, you know, getting into an RPG like this. And not only that, yeah, not only that, but you can use that as a, a nice catalyst 
to, to try new things, even though you're still being a human. Mm-hmm. Uh, because sometimes it can get a little overwhelming, like you said, if I'm going with, I'm trying to do a completely different race with a completely different personality. Sometimes it's, you, can, you can go super simple and go, okay, here's a human and this human is exactly like me. Yeah, I know how to play it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. That, that can actually be a great kind of stepping in point because it's basically just an extension of you. However, it's, it's sometimes nice to have that familiarity and say, okay, I'm going to be a human, but then take the next step outside of the comfort zone and be like, okay, I'm kind of an introverted person in, your, in real life. Maybe my human is an extrovert. Maybe they're extremely outgoing. And then you can play this character who is very much unlike you, but still familiar to you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. In fact, that's one of the great things about D&D is, you know, being able to embody some sort of character to, you know, that might be very similar to you. And working your way through things that, you know, maybe you're dealing with in your own life, but in a safe, like fantasy setting, something different, you know, maybe you're, you are like, like you said, an introvert, you're trying to, you know, go out there and be extroverted and everything and, and kind of, you know, learn to, to uh, survive social interactions in a way that you yourself never would. But guess what? This character right here is totally able to. And like that being said, you can also take, you know, just kind of the, the normal humdrum sort of, you know, backstory and stuff and, you know, change little bits, change things here and there and, and turn into something that like really fun or really different. Like, I, I don't know why, but it keeps coming into my head of, you know, what if you were, I mean, well, first of all, humans are from everywhere. Like there's a reason why in Star Wars, everyone's a human, but you know, they're, they're from a different planet. They're from a different place. They have a different culture. It, it's like that in our world. There's so many different cultures out there. And the same goes in, you know, a lot of different Dungeons and Dragons and other RP uh, places. You know, there's, you know, what, what do Northern humans uh, do? How do they act? How do they feel? How do they live compared to someone, you know, on just, you know, a few hundred miles south or on a different continent or in an in entirely different environment? And because humans are like just kind of uh, like, not exactly a dime a dozen, but you know, they're because they're everywhere. You have so much more variety in them and being able to take, okay, well, this is the kind of human I am. I grew up in a, in a, 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 you know, war torn desert environment. And, you know, this is the first time this character or, you know, this, this, this person that I'm playing is going into a forest. This is the first time they've ever seen trees. That's going to be something entirely new, something different. That's something that, you know, as us as people take for granted, but being able to encapsulate something like just really far out there and putting it into this like common shell gives you a whole lot of different sorts of, you know, RP interactions and just different things that you can, you know, really play around with. If you're, you're stepping out of a comfort zone from someplace that's very familiar. Exactly. And just from a pure, game mechanics perspective humans are very jack of all trades mm-hmm. uh i mean they're just 
in their inherent bonus, they get a plus one to all six stats, all stick six primary abilities. So it, it gives incredible flexibility, not only from a role play perspective, but also from a class perspective. What do I want to play as? Oh, it really doesn't matter when I'm playing a human because I'm getting a little bit of a bump to absolutely everything, mm-hmm. which can really, especially if you're one of those, not necessarily a min-maxer, but you know you want to play efficiently, right? Yeah. And so that type of thing can be super helpful, but it can also help you not be more, I guess, restricted as, you know, some races have bonuses to very specific attributes and those attributes may be less useful for one class or another. Whereas a plus one to everything is kind of like a, okay, boom. It's just, you're a little bit better in everything. You can kind of pick whatever you want. Exactly. And if you want to be the ultimate jack of all trades, be a human bard because they literally get the trait jack of all trades and get huge bonuses to everything. So you get your bonus in your human, you get your bonus in your bard. You're just set to just rule the world. Plus bards are super fun. Oh, they totally are. Definitely. And we'll, we'll talk about them in depth at some point too. Cause one of my favorite characters that I play is actually a bard. Um, but let's kind of shift this around a little bit from a DM perspective. Mm-hmm. One of the, one of the things I find most interesting about humans, um, cause as, as a player, I actually, uh, don't play very many humans at all. I, uh, I'm very interested in a lot of the other races, specifically the, the ones that have always intrigued me are the, the very long lived races Ta- talking, you know, your, your dwarves, uh halflings are are a little bit longer lived elves of course are extremely long lived so there's there's several races that um live longer than normal lives and it's always really interesting from a, a story and a dm perspective especially when you're role playing those longer lived races like dwarves or elves to look at humans and think of it from the perspective of these these creatures these humanoids have such a short lifespan but in a lot of cases they're always always on the move always going whereas elves and dwarves are much more slower paced they're they're very methodical about what they do because they're not in a hurry but they see these humans as they're always in a hurry they're always doing so much with their lives and so it's a really interesting kind of concept from, a, from an RP perspective, especially as you're planning out NPCs, um, because you're not just dealing with everyone has this same span or the same, uh, I guess, idea or valuation of time. Yeah. And so I, I really love working that, that type of thing into when you have all these races mixed together. And humans are in a lot of ways, on the lower end of the spectrum comparably. Oh yeah, they're definitely the fruit fly of the uh, D&D race life expectancy. Um, And this is something that's really neat and you can definitely play around with, especially if you've created a big bad evil guy who's a human. Uh, You know, comparatively to like someone who might be an elf or a dwarf or something that is a lot longer lived. 
if they go through and they have some sort of setback in their giant plan, they're not going to be able to wait around another 50, 100 years, you know, till like the next um, the third blue moon of the seventh cycle or something arrives, you know, they, they they might become more desperate in, in how they react to different things, failure or, you know, just challenges overall, um, you know, obtaining wealth or something to be able to, to pay for certain things that they need to do, hiring assassins or a military or army or something like that uh, versus an elf who, I mean, I don't know, for back of a or lack of a better equivalency, you know, went back in time, dropped a, a quarter in a bank account and let it just, you know, accrue over time. It, it it's one of those things where time and and just access to materials and people and resources and everything is just so minuscule that I mean, a lot of humans that you'll find as NPCs, you know, in the different adventuring books or anything that you can come up with yourself, they do have to be very resourceful and like on top of things, you know, be quick witted, uh, really have a plan in place that is hopefully foolproof. And if not, you know, have backups or or something because they don't get so many chances uh, for different things. Yeah, exactly. And, and speaking of humans as NPCs. This is one of the most powerful tools you have as a DM when you're needing to pull characters on the fly. Mm-hmm. Humans are incredibly easy as a DM to just make up. Why? Because we're human. It's it's very it, it's very easy to come up with um like an old woman or a, a middle-aged man, or or a child, or something, give uh, a very brief description. Just because we see people all the time, it's very easy for us to describe other people. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's very easy for us to come up with names. I, some people are better at it than others. I and am horrible you know, at names. <laughs> you may have a lot of Jeffs running around, but you know. You got to do what you got to do. Well, I mean, to be fair, there's, at the time. there's a Jeff with a G, a Jeff with a J. There's a Jeffrey. There's a, a Jefferson. I mean, they, you know. That's right. Find a name and then, you know, milk it for every variety <laughs> that it's worth. Because it's sometimes you just you just need a Jeff. Yeah. Or be like me and pull up. Uh, yeah. Theodore Teddings. He's uh, he, he hit on the paladin in the bar. Yeah. And the, but, but that's the thing. Like there's it's it's probably much easier for you to pull a human name out of thin air than it is for you to pull a dwarven name out of thin air or an elven name out of thin air or, you know, a gnomish name out of thin air. And so they they make very, very good ad hoc NPCs for whenever you need like a throwaway character mm-hmm. or they're just like, I asked someone on the road. Oh, okay. Uh, there's this uh, man. Looks like he's in his forties. He's got brown hair, a little bit of a, a mustache going in this uh, old straw hat. You walk up to him. His name is uh, Theodore. <laughs> See, there you go. There you go. And so it's, it's very easy to, to kind of, make something like that up because it's very familiar. And then that's an, that's an easy throwaway thing as well. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly. Now, if you are playing in an area that, you know, maybe it's a in, in Elvish City or something, and it's like, oh crap, I can't come up with something super fast. Guess what? People travel the world. You can still have your humans walking around there. And in fact, depending on what your party makeup is, you might want to make sure to have some so that, you know, like say the elves are being super arrogant and mean, except there's a, you know, a human over there in the bar. Maybe he's lived among the elves for the past 10 years, but he might be more open to your party uh, being able to talk to them than, you know, people who, you know, have a distrust of, of whatever races you have or something, you know, it, it, you have different avenues and options in being able to play with the most universal race. Yeah. And honestly, one of the, one of the biggest DM tips that I can give and something I do myself is I actually have a random character name list mm-hmm. and I've actually got like five, you can, you can go, there's all sorts of like fantasy name generators. There's it, all sorts of regular name generators. Fantastic. Like, yeah. Just, just put in Google, just blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Name generator. Fantasy name generator. Boom. And there's, they have them for like several different races and everything go and do like five or 10. I've got like, I've got my sheet. I've got like five or 10 female names, five or 10 male names uh, for humans, same for elves, same for dwarves and just random names uh, that could be potentially for anybody. Mm-hmm. And then, Anytime I need a character and they come up to someone, uh, it's, I think in some ways it's much easier to make up a description than a name. Oh yeah. Because the description can be anything. The name, a lot of ways is needs to sound more correct, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anytime my care, my characters go up to a random person that I don't have planned out, I just look down at my list real fast cross out a name or put a check mark by a name just to show that I've used it. And then after I describe them and after the, the NPC or the, the PCs are done talking with the character, I'll jot down a little mini description of what I gave by the character, like armor, brown hair, mustache, forties, and just little, little one word things. And then that, if they, it ever comes back up again, I can have that list handy or if it never comes back up again, then I just don't use that name again because I've already already got it crossed off. Or you can use the name again, but have a different person because people have the same names. I found this out very early on in life in third grade when another Ben came to school. It was amazing. Yep. But no. I've <laughs> been surrounded by Ryans. I'm sorry. Quite a bit. I'm sorry. It's a pretty cool name. I. You know what? I... As a non-Ryan, I do enjoy the name. My brother's name is Ben. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, well, there's there's three that we've talked about in this entire episode. I know, right? It's probably what drew me to you. Maybe. Maybe. Um, as far as names go, I do highly recommend, uh, if you're able to pick up a copy of uh, Xanthar's Guide to Everything, uh, there are multiple just lists of names in the back of that book. I absolutely love it because not only is it just, Uh, Like, you know, uh, elf name, elf clan name, dwarf name, gnome name. They have a whole bunch of ethnicities broken out for human names. And it's something that I've actually been able to kind of tap into because in the area where my game is playing or where my game is set, that's much better grammar that way. 
um, I'm using for the most part like Celtic names, you know, so that everybody in that area kind of has a similar sound, similar feel to it. When they move on to a, a different area of the, the continent, I'm going to use a, a different set of names so that it actually does feel different, even though, you know, it's still human. But again, we have, you know, like a different flavor, different varieties go somewhere else. And just something similar, something uh, that, you know, like you, you pick up those little things in the certain area, it helps it feel like the world is actually, you know, um, more real. Yeah. Thank you. I, I was going to say like <laughs> dispersed. No, that's not the right word. I can't think of the right name, the word right now, but it's, um, you know, it, stuff scattered all around. I, uh, it's going to bub me for the rest of the episode. Anyways. It's okay. Like halfway into the next discussion, you'll just blurt out a word. You know, yeah. Bad. That was it. That's, that's usually always how, how it happens. Exactly. Um, well, yeah, no, humans, humans are, are very interesting. Uh, don't write them off. You can do a lot of really fun stuff with them still. Uh, it's definitely not bad to play. In fact, in some ways, it can be really good to play, mm-hmm. especially if you're a new player, um, just to help give some familiarity. My first, my very first character um, from Lost Minds, uh, a friend, which is actually what got me started in D&D, playing, uh, a friend ran it. They had the pre-generated characters and I was the human fighter. Hmm. And that's my awesome transition into the next thing we're going to be talking about. The fighter. I was actually going to say, tell me about how you played a fighter and what you chose to run with. Ah, well, uh, see, and this is, this is, this is another really interesting thing. If, if humans are the like, baseline kind of generic familiar race of D&D fighters are basically the exact same thing in class form a fighter is is extremely easy to understand in a lot of ways it's very easy to play although that doesn't mean there's not complexity to it or that you can't build in complexity but it's again it's one of those classes that's very Okay, I I can be a jack of all trades here. I can I can tank. I can be a a big damage dealer. I can be a, a ranged character. Heck, I can even be a a semi spellcaster. Yeah, depending on some of the subclasses that you you talk about, which we'll we'll talk about here in a little bit. But Ben, so fighters have so have you ever played? A fighter in any of your games i haven't but here's the thing uh i do play in a campaign with a fighter and he is constantly surprising me with like the stuff that he does especially during combat i mean this is the first time that granted it was my first you know fifth edition game that i played in and everything it's the first time i realized oh some people get to attack more than once per attack action that's pretty cool Oh, you get to re-roll ones on damage? That's pretty cool. You know, it's like it, their name is fighter. It's what they're built to do. And the fact that there is so much versatility in just that one job is pretty complex and, and pretty neat. Uh, like you said, it, it's simple to kind of pick up. And I mean, you know, we've heard this phrase thrown around all over the place, but, you know, simple to play, but difficult to master. And that's because there are so many different paths that you can go down. 
you know, one of the neat things about being a fighter is that, hey, you know what? I have an issue where something's over there. Guess what? Automatically, I've got a plus to archery. I can fire an arrow at it. Something's up in my grill and I need to attack something. There's some pretty great stuff that you can do with like a two-handed weapon. You know, it, 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 it's fantastic that you're able to put yourself in those different situations to fill in, you know, whatever type of role that is needed for that situation, whether something's running away and you need to stop it, or you need to protect your uh, wizard friend who has something, you know, trying to attack him and everything. You can get in the way, attack it, try to pull it, it, its uh, attention and, and just get in there and assert yourself in the best possible way and be very, very interactive in any sort of combat scenario. Yeah, exactly. So let's kind of look at some of the, the core features of the fighter. What are, what are we going to really look at? Or if, if we're trying to like fighter 101 or where <laughs> we are fighter salesmen and we are trying to sell the fighter to you. Um, so first off, D10 hit dice. And this is, this is actually pretty key. This is, it's not quite the highest hit dice you can get, but it's, it's close. And that usually means you will have a fairly sizable health pool, which means you're going to be able to take a decent amount of punishment unless you roll really, really bad on your level ups. And the thing is, is like, that is something that you actually really want to make sure to have, because if you are really jumping into the fray, you want to hopefully have a decent amount of hit points. You know, you don't want to be the, the fighter who's going in there with four hit points and is taken down with one swing every single time. But, you know, constitution is important, but I think that the, the, the biggest thing that you need to really look forward to is what kind of fighter are you going to really try to push towards? You know, are you going to be more melee? Are you going to maybe focus more on ranged? And based on that, you want to look at either strength or dexterity, depending on which way you go. You know, yeah, you got to, you got to kind of figure out. And, and this is, this is where it's, it's great. And it's not great at the same time, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of choices in, in a lot of ways that you need to make it level one. And yeah. so you really need to kind of, kind of think it through and think, okay, what kind of fighter do I want to be? Do I want to be the, the freaking William Wallace swinging around a, a great sword constantly yelling battle cries? Do I want to be more like Aragorn and kind of have that, that one handed slash two handed sword or, be able to do some archery or something like that uh or focus or, entirely be like zorro you know yeah you're working on as uh you know movement and, and everything is kind of really more what you're looking for yeah or a knight where mm-hmm. you want to be the stalwart defense you want to have that high armor class and be able to take a lot of damage and so part of that with the fighter is at level one you get something called a fighting style and that kind of sets you on the path in a way of uh of what you want to do as you look to pick your subclass uh at level three you can do archery it's like okay i want a range fighter boom Mm -hmm. fighting style archery gain a plus two bonus to attack rolls you make with ranged weapons boom defense while you're wearing armor, you gain plus one bonus to AC. Boom. Dueling, when you're wielding a melee weapon in one hand with no other weapons, Zoro, you gain a plus two bonus to damage rolls with the weapon. 
great weapon fighting protection to weapon fighting like there's all these different styles that can start that from the very get-go level one are going to set you on the path towards the type of fighter that you want to be exactly and you know it's funny because some people might look at this and say archery why am i going with archery when i could just be a ranger well ranger is an entirely different class that works in an entirely different way with archery as your your focal point your fighting style you have access to a bunch of different you know more combat focused things than a ranger would where you know they get like spells and get to do other different things you are just like you know full on this arrow will kill you like no ifs ands or buns buts it's like um uh game of thrones thrones when the giants had the bow and arrow and they fired just this giant arrow like picture that coming versus something from a ranger which you know still gonna do some damage but maybe not as much it's it's two it's two very different styles Mm -hmm. exactly and it's two very different fantasies in a lot of ways um two other really cool things about the warrior is uh some of their some of their unique abilities second wind So this is really cool because this is kind of like a self heal for you that's on a short slash long rest cooldown. Mm -hmm. And it's a a nice little thing and it's a bonus action, which I love bonus actions. Like there's, because there's not, not a massive amount of stuff that is a bonus action. So anything that's a bonus action is really cool to me because it lets you just do more on your turn, gives you more variety. And so this is something that can heal you as a bonus action. That's pretty cool. And then at level two, you get something called action surge, which is also really, really cool. Cause at this doesn't even two. at level two. And this doesn't even cost a bonus action. This is just something you can do. You can, and you have it, you use it on your turn. You can take one additional action mm-hmm. every, every time you short or long rest, just one additional action. And then at level 17, which is a while, but it lets you use it twice. And just not on the same talked, we'd, Yeah. And just not on the same term, but we've talked about action economy before and how absolutely important it is and how much more powerful whatever side has more actions will probably end up being because if you had, let's say a hundred goblins versus an adult dragon, right? That adult dragon is going to get to attack like one or two times per hundred times the goblins are attacking. Mm -hmm. And statistics says that even if the dragon breathes and knocks out you know a chunk of them and 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 got its breath back somehow several times in a row the goblins actually might have a chance of taking that dragon down just through pure statistics and the fact that they have so many more roles than than it does that's why zerging is a very viable option in starcraft exactly yeah, one of the, the great things about an action surge is especially when you start getting up higher levels into fighter, like starting with the fifth level, you get two attacks per attack action, which means you go, 
you attack twice, you hit twice, you do a lot of damage, the thing's still alive, you decide to use your action surge. That's two more attacks right on top of that. And I've seen some things just crumple underneath four attacks from a fighter just because they rolled really well. Uh, they're able to, depending on if they choose um, a great weapon fighting or not, they can re-roll damage dice. And it is something that just, I mean, they just walk right up and just whack, 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 just boom. That's it. it, well, it not, not only that, you get another extra attack at level 11. Mm-hmm. And then when you hit level 20, you get four. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> that that is the most attacks of any class they can do on a single action. Four. Then you have an action surge. Mm-hmm. And then you have another action surge. Now, it, granted, this is level 20. But if you ever get the chance, even, even if your campaign never gets to that point, have someone or find somebody or do it yourself, run a high level one shot. Because I think we've talked about this a little bit. Most games don't make it past level 10. Yeah. It's, it's just how it is. Be, be they campaign modules that don't go that high uh, or groups just falling apart or whatever. It takes a long time mm-hmm. to get, to get to those high echelons. I mean, you can take the, the current critical role campaign. They've been running for what year and a half about. Yeah. Ish. Now they're level 10 in a year and a half and they play weekly. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's one of those things. If, if you ever get to a very high end campaign, you're in the definitely the, the, the minority percent of people. And so sometimes uh, I really like to just try and do a one shot of high levels. It, it's complicated. It's not for the faint of heart. Uh, if you're a new player, it can be very confusing because Maybe there's don't a, go into <laughs> there's, there's a reason that you build up to to some of these these higher levels um, just from a complexity standpoint, but. It is a super fun thing to do, and it's it's really cool to see like a twentieth level fighter just go absolutely ham and do eight attacks in one one turn, dealing potentially hundreds of damage. Um, yeah, there's just lots and lots of really cool potential, and kind of speaking of that and, and turning it towards uh, the potential, we, we talked a little bit about how you kind of move along your path starting from the, the very beginning at level one. Level three, that's when you go full on in with whatever your, your fantasy for your type of fighter is and you pick your subclass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, picking the subclass is... Uh, probably one of the funnest things to do with almost any uh, any of the classes Uh, unless you're a cleric you get yours at level one but uh, with like everybody else level three is a big one because you get a ton of new extra fun stuff to kind of look forward to as you play Um, so with fighters 
you 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 pick your martial archetype and Gosh, well, I mean, there's a bunch of them that are available, especially if you go to D&D Beyond. Uh, the player's handbook limits it to, what, three? Yeah, if you're, if you're just playing with the player's handbook, you'll have three different ones. The Champion, the Battlemaster, and the Eldritch Knight. If you jump into Xanathar's Guide to Everything, then you also get access to the Arcane Archer, the Cavalier, and the Samurai. So... We're not going to like dive in deep to each of them, but it's, it's really cool because let's, let's just take like our, our player's handbook ones, mm-hmm. our, our first three. So you have the, the champion, which is basically a, I want to hit all the things harder and kill all the things deader. It, it allows you to do cool things like um, getting crits on 19s and 20s. Mm-hmm cool stuff like that it's it's very much a it's it's a little more i guess simplistic if you don't want a whole lot of extra um mechanics to deal with it's a it's a very strong damage but it is it's more straightforward whereas you go with your battle master you get a brand new mechanic called superiority die and these are like dice that you can roll and spend to do special actions depending on the situation that you want to. Or if you want to get kind of that cool caster side of things, you can go Eldritch Knight, which will actually get cantrips and spells to kind of from, from two different schools, from the... Um, from uh, Evocation and Abjuration. And, and Abjuration, yes. Uh, so like... But they're specifically kind of wizard damage, specifically yes, specifically wizard. So it's basically like defense and damage mm-hmm. type spells um, that can supplement your your martial prowess. So there's there's a lot of really really cool options for that. Exactly, and expanding into you know something extra, especially like the Eldritch Knight, it it opens up your playstyle a ton. So while you're you know you're swinging a sword around and attacking things and everything. Uh, Let's say you didn't go archery and you know, you, you can still use a bow and arrow. You just might not be the best at it or you can throw a chaos orb at them and see what happens. I mean, you know, there's a bunch of different things that, that you can do that are, you know, very, very useful to up your defense, to up your attack, or just have like some sort of random utility and everything available to you as an Eldritch Knight. I, <laughs> I did a lot of like reading about the fighter kind of in preparation for this episode. And the more I read about the Eldritch Knight, the more I really wanted to try one out. Like, it just seems like a very cool mix of like fighter slash caster. Cause I've always been like a caster guy. I love, I love having spell slots. I love doing that type of thing, but I, I really like the, the, the fantasy of the Eldritch Knight. Um, I think that's that's a really interesting, interesting thing. And we're we're going to talk about the Elder Tonight a little more later because we actually had a question come in uh, about it. Um, mm-hmm. But if none of those suit your fancy, and you grab good old Xanthar's Guide to Everything, then you get some other really cool types, I guess, um, including the first ranged like really range focused fighter the arcane archer Mm -hmm. which lets you imbue it's kind of like uh the ranged 
Eldritch Knight for the for the fighter. Um, you get a little bit of magic to use and mix in with your now instead of melee ranged attacks. Uh, and it's just another different flavor than the archer. You've got the the cavalier, which is like all about mounted combat and that whole you know like knight on the horse type fantasy, um, and or the samurai, which is the very um, stalwart, very uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, I guess stalwart is good. It's, yeah. it's, you're, you're very, uh, like protect type mode. Uh, and, and don't even necessarily think of it as like, I have a samurai sword, although you very well could have a samurai sword. Yeah. It's, it's more just like the, uh, the, the, the flowy, yeah, the, the elegant, um, the, the fighting spirit, Mm -hmm. uh just the the whole like honor and resolve yield or die fighting is is how it (laughs) how it talks uh about it in the actual book exactly and and that's one that actually was uh interesting to me i i like the idea of it's like okay well it's basically my way or else if you know the, the samurai goes into battle and everything, they're not just kind of doing it willy nilly. It's it's the idea of of I'm standing here, I am going to be the the immovable object, ready to stop you for what you're doing. You know, it, you know, honor and and you know, protection and things like that. Those are things that I've always you know really admired in uh, any sort of you know like melee RPG like character that I would make. You know, just I like that idea of this is what I'm doing and this is the way we're doing it. Yeah, and it's actually really cool because it's one of the few class, the few subclasses that actually gives you benefits outside of combat. Mm-hmm. You can get something. Uh, one of its one of its traits is elegant courtier, which uh, your discipline and attention to detail allow you to excel in social situations. So whenever you make a persuasion check, you can gain a bonus equal to your wisdom modifier. And you also gain proficiency in wisdom saving throws. So like really cool. That's, that's like, that's a, not a combat thing. Yeah. Exactly. That's kind of cool. And I mean, on top of that, if you already have uh, proficiency in wisdom saving throws, you get to choose either intelligence or charisma. It, it's something, you know, that you wouldn't exactly think that a fighter would have, but it's, it's almost like the, there's more of an elegance to this than just brute force. And I like the finesse of it mixed in with someone who could just, you know, like destroy your face. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting uh, class type. So yeah, there's, I mean, you could, you could talk about the fighter for a really long time. You could dive deeper into each, each of these different, different subclasses. Um, I've got a, a friend of mine in one of the games I play and actually plays a battle master. And it's, I, I really love the, I guess the choice that you get with the superiority die mechanics and just all the different things you have to choose from. And so, so like we've, we've been saying the whole time fighter can range the fighters, very Jack of all trades and can range from very simple. Mechanically you hit things, you kill things to, much more complex mechanically. Okay, what 
thing do I use in this specific situation out of my list of like seven or eight things? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and gosh, the, the superiority die is really neat. There's a lot of stuff there. Just going through, holy crap. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a lot it, of stuff there. Yeah, and it's, it's the exact same for the Arcane Archer. The Arcane Archer is kind of the, the equivalent to, to the Battlemaster in a lot of ways. But on the range side, there's all sorts of different things you can do with your arrows and all sorts of different types. And um, some do more damage. Some have more utility and such. Uh, yeah. Which, I, you know, the more, the more I, I read about all this stuff and the more I've kind of prepared for this stuff, it's just like, man, I wish I could play more games. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's like someone give me time to play all the things. Yeah. I want to try out all these things, but it's just like, this is, we're talking about just the fighter class and there's it it, between the two, the quote unquote, two mainstream class. (laughs) Yeah. The, the, between the two like core books, that's six different subclasses all with their own unique mechanics. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to throw in the critical role stuff and you got gunslinger in there as well. Yeah. That adds a lot more stuff too. I mean, if you listen to campaign one, that's Percy right there. And if you remember, uh, he, I believe holds the, the most damage done in one turn. Not surprising because (laughs) action surges and three or four attacks in a single turn, uh, Mm-hmm. tend to do that definitely yeah. <laughs> if that's if if that's if if basically any play style is your style then the fighter is good for you <laughs> yeah unless unless you're wanting to go pure caster there's there is no pure caster <laughs> but it's a fighter there's there's classes there's other classes to that but if if you want uh but there there is a taste of that even if you, if that's kind of the, the way you lean. So mm-hmm. if it's, it's a very well-rounded all around, very fun, very uh, mechanically varied class. Exactly. And again, it's one of those things where if you're getting together with another group and there's a fighter, there's a very good chance that if you also choose fighter, you're going to be something different. Yeah. And it's, that's, been kind of a, a really interesting thing, especially I, I know some people like to flesh out their campaigns with, with everyone's a different class and there's no problem with that. Mm-hmm. But exactly at the same time, if you have players that are wanting to play the same class or someone makes a rogue and one guy is just like, Oh, I was going to, I was going to play a rogue or I was going to play a fighter too, but they're already a fighter. So maybe I shouldn't, it's one of those things it's like, you know, you can both be fighters, but you can both be very different fighters. Exactly. Like you might, you might may as well be different classes. Like he went battle master. You're going arcane archer or eldritch knight or something like that. So, you two don't play the same in any way, shape or form. Yep. The only time I ever recommend uh, making sure to keep an eye on stuff like that is if there is only one melee person and everyone else is a caster. That that that's cause for alarm. Yeah, and that's and part of that is uh, as as we talked about several episodes ago. Part of that is on you as a DM 
to know your party and to at least partially design your encounters mm-hmm. around the the party members because you, you can't help the type of party you have because you want to let players play what's fun for them exactly and so i would much rather let people play what is fun for them and have a little extra work on my end to design interesting encounters that won't just like wipe the floor with my party of of squishy squishy casters <laughs> then say ah well we're our our caster to to tank ratio is a little bit off so one of you guys needs to needs to play somebody a little sturdier you never you never want to have to do that exactly you always you always want to let them let them do what they want to do uh, within reason. <laughs> yeah. Assuming that real <laughs> motto, assuming that your players are, uh, you know, super easy going, then it doesn't matter at all. Exactly. So kind of coming back around a little bit, we had a question on Twitter from mouse divided. Uh, and he, and he asks any RP tips for an eldritch knight learning new spells on level up. And so I thought this was kind of a really interesting kind of thing. And just the whole Eldritch Knight piece, uh, piece of it is, is kind of interesting anyways, because you have most of your fighter subclasses, like uh, say your, your champion or your cavalier or your um, battle master or whatever, that's, those are kind of like natural progressions. You start off knowing skills and you develop your skills over time. Whereas going from a pure like fighter to a, oh, now I know spells is, is an interesting shift in dynamic. And so from a role play perspective, I would, if you're, if you're thinking uh, of going the Eldritch Knight route, I would definitely talk with your DM uh, pre-level three to let them know your intentions and then help help them work it into the story where oh you find a a wizard or something and and train under them or you go to this uh school in a city and you learn about the the mystic arts or perhaps your uh your party wizard helps you or uh, is willing to teach you some spells. There's a lot of different ways you can work that in, but I, I definitely agree. It's if you can kind of work it out, especially with your DM, it's always more interesting to kind of work that into the story rather than have it just be a woke up and I know spells guys. Cause I hit level three. Unless you woke up and you totally know spells now. <laughs> It does happen every once in a while. It does. Um, no, I'm with you though. Having some sort of, you know, thing established or, or whatever kind of works. Um, I mean, unless you, you really want to do like, you have some sort of background in it. I mean, the, because they're wizard spells, it makes it a little bit tougher as opposed to like, you know, something sorcerer based where it's, it's literally, you know, in your blood, in mm-hmm. your very being. So, you know, going through and actually having to, you know, learn something, is part of the eldritch knights uh kind of like lore behind it except that they don't 
have a spell book that they carry around. They just know like a couple spells and they just know them. It's not something that you need to prep every day and, and everything like that. So because of that, um, what I would really recommend, and this is more for like actually choosing the specific spell that you want, um, go with kind of what you, you think your character would, would use. Like, are you going to be, or have you been traditionally over the past two levels, you know, more of a, a, a defender or are you really something or someone who really wants to go and attack and, you know, get that finishing blow in there. And depending on which way you go with that, you know, there, there's some really good spells either way. Um, like personally for me, one of the ones I actually really like is absorb elements. Like, that's kind of a really cool idea for someone who's, you know, a knight who's, who's staying there, who's defending things. And it, it lets you, um, let's see, uh, yeah, uh, capture some incoming energy. And then you can use that on your next attack. And like being able to, to do something like that, pull something in as well as adds to uh, an actual attack bonus that is really cool and adds a lot of flavor to some of your combat that you're doing. Um, if you're looking for just pure defense, there's always like, you know, something like mage armor or protection from good and evil. Um, also, if you're just wanting to switch over and do something more completely just attack, like thunder wave, never a bad idea. That is a fantastic thing to have. And Magic missiles. Exactly. Someone's running away from you. Hey, guess what? I want to, you know, use my firebolt and just Ooh, shoot some fire at them. Um, chromatic orb is a lot of fun. Uh, that gets used in my campaign a bunch by our arcane trickster, and she loves it. I'll tell you, it's an awesome spell. Like, really it, awesome it spell. Is super, super good spell. Or if you want to be the ultimate tank, take shield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're already <laughs> gonna <so> have. <laughs> yeah, you're already gonna have a high AC. You you run up against something big that maybe hits hard or it can can penetrate your your armor class oh plus five on top of my like 18 (laughs) or whatever already there's not going to be a lot of stuff that's hitting through that yeah probably not going to really hit um cantrip wise though i mean you you do get two cantrips and again kind of depending on how you want to go with that is really important like do you want to actually have some sort of utility thing like light you know, are you a, an actual human fighter? Do you need to be able to see in the dark? I mean, throw some light on your sword as you're swinging it around and everything. Or, um, you know, if you're able to see and everything like that, again, firebolt, frostbites, booming blades, really great for a, a good defensive thing. I mean, you have a lot of really good things to, to, to go with depending on how you want to flavor your Eldritch Knight. Yeah, it's... <sighs> All this Eldritch Knight talk is really making me want to play an Eldritch Knight. Uh, I need to. I need more time. I need another one shot or something. You know, Maybe. when you find that one shot, let me know because I will play something with you. I know. As well. <laughs> I know. Maybe, maybe I should just like have one of my characters die so I can just come back as an Eldritch Knight. Well, I mean, it's it's it's, it's drastic. <laughs> it's drastic, but you know, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of our our thoughts on RP for the Eldritch Knight. If you have any other questions, of course, be sure to send them in. We'd love to love to hear from you. Love to answer or talk about anything that you're interested in here. Exactly. 
speaking of things that I'm interested in hearing, Ryan, I am very curious as to what you actually have for our community. Uh, what are we exactly calling it? Community info, community resource? Community content shout out? Yeah, that works. Something like that. Uh, this one is really, really cool. Uh, it's a DMs Guild product. And it is called Adaptable NPCs. And it's definitely, a, it's, it's a little bit on the, on the higher end uh, of cost. It's like, it's, it's about 15 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I would consider it completely worth it. Uh, you can actually even get this one in like soft cover or hard cover, which is, which is pretty cool. Not a, not a lot of the books let you do that, but this one's actually sold enough to, to be sold in, in like print form. Uh, but essentially what this is, is it's 70 NPCs ranging from like quarter CR to like CR 15 wow. uh, that you can, that are essentially like copy paste into your campaign for any sort of any sort of variety or any sort of uh, need for your campaign. I've used this so many times as just like dropping them in as, as town guards or priests or robbers or thieves. Uh, one of them is, has, uh, I use the stat block for one of my higher level NPCs that runs uh, a big criminal organization in my main city. Uh, but it's, it's really nice because you can take these tweak them a little bit if you need to, but it allows you to have some really unique and potentially powerful NPCs without having to design them from scratch. Think of them as like template blocks. And then you can find the template block you like, pluck it out, name it whatever you want, make it whatever race you want, and boom, you've got a a ready-made template. So I'm getting this. Uh, it's it's incredible and additionally they've actually there's actually like eight short little adventures that are included in the back as well that are also kind of like drag and drop okay so uh you can go in and say okay here's a here's a little side thing here's a here's a notice board mission or something like that tells you all the npcs you need to use for it um and they're for several different all eight are varying levels so there's chances are you'll find one for your campaign or roughly what your your party should be fighting against and you can drop those into really great artwork there's a lot of really really awesome artwork in this um there's maps for all the the eight adventures it's this is just it is a very very high quality product um, yeah, and I, um, I use it a lot from what I'm looking at. I recommend it just like the samples and stuff that they show. It looks to be just almost right out of wizards of the coast. I mean, it, it they, definitely has a very everything. official feel. Oh it. yeah. No, this is, this is great. Just looking at this. I, it's something that I know that I'm going to definitely be using. Um, in fact, once we're done recording, I'm probably just going to buy it right now because, you know, finding a, a good, uh, you know, NPC that's challenging is great. It's hard sometimes. Oh, definitely. Especially I, I, on the fly. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, m- definitely. I mean, so you have, you know, just a, a few different archetypes in the back of like the, you know, like the monster manual, the DMs guide and everything, but having access to, you know, 70 plus, this is great. This is absolutely great. I, that is a fantastic find. And thank you very much for sharing that one. Yes. This is, it's one of my favorites and we will have the link to this on dndiscussions.com uh, when this episode is posted, if you want to check it out for yourself. All right, Ben. Yes. It's time. We've both played some D and D. Oh my gosh! The last time we recorded. So why don't you go first? What have you been up to in your games? Well, I know last time I talked about how uh, the, the the party saved the town for the most part, except for some buildings. We we actually played over the weekend. We had the aftermath of that. Uh, it, we ended a story arc. They all leveled up at the end, so they're level seven. But oh my gosh, I had so much fun playing. It was it was great. We had a whole bunch of RP. Um, the 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 players, you know, kind of resolved some some internal conflicts that they were having with each other. Uh, they they closed off a, a, a section of the mine. Uh, our bard charmed yet another person, <laughs> which is like her go to, and it's great. There's this drow who's fighting him. She charms him, and she hands his swords over, and she sends him off to you know run back home and. Then they collapse the cave behind him. And I don't think he's going to make it home considering he's unarmed in the Underdark. You never Ooh, know. That's rough. <laughs> but yeah, probably not <laughs> going to make it. But um, they, they have an uh, official party name now, which I'm like so giddy about. It's like like that happened. And, like It feels so much more real. It's like we're doing a thing. This is awesome. And What's, I, the, what's the party name? Uh, Misfits and Miscreants. Ah, that's yeah. good. It's mine, very fitting too. <laughs> mine uh, named themselves during my uh, the arena battle they did. Oh, okay. And they called themselves the Death Slayers. Nice. And it it kind of stuck. And I was just like, well, I guess it could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like I like uh, I like yours though. That's that's yeah. good. No, it worked, out, it worked out great. You know, they, they told me the name. And I'm like, oh, that's perfect. And I love it. But, you know, I can't have everybody just fall in love with the name when they hear it. So the, the, the Lord of the town is, you know, like basically, you know, bringing them up big town meetings like, hey, they won. And like, thank you to the, and he looks at them. He's all, really? <laughs> and they're all nodding and stuff. All right. <laughs> and it just goes right into it. It's great. And then I finally started off something that i had put in the game since our second session so it, the, the whole campaign originally started off as a one shot because it was just hey i want to play D let's do this and then everybody had a lot of fun so we're like okay let's just keep going so second session they go to the big bad evil guy's house who they defeated in the one shot and there is a ring of mind uh shielding i, I think that's what it is so our cleric has had that since the second session. It's been attuned to him. He's been wearing it this whole time. The thing about that is that if you're wearing that ring and you die, your soul enters the ring. There was someone in there already and he had no idea. So finally oh. that person started, you know, kind of talking or like um, a- after the whole big, huge, Hey, they saved the town they finally get into the inn where they're staying and everything. And then he's finally able to like, you know, 
he did his, uh, his nightly meditation and stuff and just kind of like, ah, I, I just threw out a, you, you feel a sigh. It didn't come from you, but you feel it. And he just kind of like, oh man. And then, so the next morning when he's choosing his spells, cause he, he went in and just repicked everything. I just said, you, you can't, you think you might hear a, hmm. You know, as he's making different choices and stuff. So then he comes down to breakfast and then he starts talking to our warlock who has identify and everything about the ring. And I'm like, oh, dang it. I made it, it like, it didn't, maybe I made it too obvious. I'm not sure. But uh, we ended up in the very last bit of the game. He was going to bed again. And then I just started with, okay, I need to come clean with you. And just left it there. And, oh, man, I've got plans. It's, I've got plans. That's all I can say. Just, I'm excited. We're not going to be able to play again for about another month, but yay. That's fun. That's fun. It's always fun to end, end on those. Um, <laughs> similarly, I, I was actually, I actually played with both my groups. Oh, cool. Uh, both my home groups prior to, uh, prior to this recording. So uh, on the the DM side of things, um, they finally did my warlock mission with oh. the Obelix. How'd that go? It was very interesting. Uh, it didn't actually come to combat. Oh, good. It didn't come to combat. He convinced them to let him out and get rid of the rune that was keeping him trapped in the in basement. And let him out to run his own inn. Wow! Did he have to charm them at all? He tr- he tried to charm them all three of them when they initially came down the stairs into into the basement of the inn. Every single one of them succeeded <laughs> on their, <laughs> on their check. and I was just like, "Hmm, this is interesting. Let's see how this goes." Uh, and so through the course of the conversation, it. it slowly like basically just kind of revealed a little more and more what it was and they of course were were very untrusting but at the same time it wasn't being outright hostile yeah towards them either and so it it was a very fun like play against type creature encounter and it, it could have come to combat and it almost did when one of them tried to use their bag of devouring to devour it but it ended up just devouring its little simulacrum gotcha that it had that it was connected to to its little cord and he wasn't too happy about that so he actually went and tried to charm them again at that that point because if he didn't it may have turned into turned into a fight and it would have been a big fight Mm -hmm. for them because that's a there's a pretty high high level creature but he managed to charm two of them and then the barbarian was just like i just ripped the step up (laughs) the rune on it that was keeping him trapped in there i was like okay 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 so he did it and he didn't need the charm and so he he went and (laughs) he there's a there's an oblex running it in (laughs) <laughs> that's now, awesome <laughs> i as as they were leaving it was hilarious because they were all discussing it was just like 
what did we just do? Should we really have done that? Like, I feel like <laughs> we're going to come back here later and it's going to be really terrible. Uh, and one of them was just like, if this was a video game, would the, the little quest complete thing have a check mark next to it? And so, <laughs> so like, it was like, you did, you did the job. Yeah. That was on the, that was on the board. Look, just because you complete a quest doesn't mean there's a second part later on. This is definitely an outcome. Like, <laughs> I mean, you you know a good inn in the human district of the city now. <laughs> if you so, want to trust it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll see if they if they end up going back or not. It should. Oh, be, I'm, uh, I'm excited to hear more. Yeah, it should do. be fun. Then they they found the bazaar and. Uh, they went through and right at the end, they found right before we ended, they found the essentially the black market cool. of, of the city area. So that should be a really fun thing to, to start into. And then on the, on the player side, uh, we, we did a jail heist and we BS'd our way through the entire thing past a minotaur, past several <laughs> guards no combat, no combat whatsoever. And at the end of the session, he was just like, well, there was a lot of combat encounters that we just didn't do. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's D&D. Yep. So we that's just, exactly we just, D&D. Yeah, we just RP'd our way out of, out of all of it. So it was, but it was, it was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to playing again here sometime soon. We're, we're, Currently, for both games, the uh, the scheduling boss has rolled initiative. So we'll yeah. see see if that can be defeated. I'm just uh, very much looking forward to this coming weekend to get to play my Star Wars game. It's been a little while. Ooh, that's fun. I I think I, I feel like that'd be a really fun system to play because that's just such a rich, cool universe. Yeah, I I really enjoy it, and being an astromech droid is a lot of fun. I bet that's. Uh, that'd be a, a, a fun a fun differentiation mm-hmm. i guess from from the norm for sure oh yeah it's one of the reasons why i'm like oh you're letting us be droids okay i will be a droid exactly <laughs> <laughs> well guys that is it for us for this episode thank you so much for listening but before we go ben why don't you tell everybody where they can reach us Well, first of all, thank you very much for listening. And we would like to listen to you. That's right. If you have any questions, comments, stories, anything that you want to share with us, there are two good ways to do that. Uh, The first one is sending an email to dndiscussions at gmail.com. We're looking for stories about your campaign, uh, maybe an experience of your playthrough as an Eldritch Knight. Because, I mean, Ryan, you didn't see him but he is definitely looking like he's essentially chomping at the bit to try one of those out. I really so, do. So anything you can do to help make that, you know, even much more of a want do that. Send that in. Uh, but if you don't want to do this old fashioned thing called email, you can always reach out on Twitter. We are at DN discussions on Twitter. Uh, give us a follow, you know, shout us out. We love hearing from you and even more so, uh, even though work's really busy for me, uh, Ryan will definitely respond a lot faster than I will. And I usually try to follow up. So, you know, <laughs> give, give a shout out. We'd love hearing from you. But even more so, Ryan, if people are looking for you specifically, what is a good way to do that? 
if you're looking for me specifically, you can find me on Twitter at TBKZord. Love to, to chat D&D or games in general with anybody. Super fun. And people not as much fun, too. I mean, you're, you're really there for anybody. Really? It is, it is true. I'll, we'll, I'll really talk about anything. Also, send me pictures of cats. I love cat pictures. <laughs> I'm going to start doing that even more so, though. Um, if, you're, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Ben Bumhofer. And, of course, dndiscussions.com is a place where you can find all of our episodes, as well as on Google and iTunes and all those fun places. And since we're, we're getting close to 10 episodes here, make sure you give us uh, some reviews. You know, we want to know what people are saying. And if it's a five-star review or whatever, hey, guess what? That helps us out. So uh, hop on, give us some feedback, and uh, we love to hear from you. Thank you guys so much, and we will catch you next time. Be good to each other, and goodbye.